Coming to you from the Golden State, this is the Art for Everyone podcast. Bringing art back to the people, one episode at a time. And bringing you compelling guest interviews with inspirational artists. And now your hosts, professional artist and owner of Carini Arts, Michael Carini, and real estate guru, Vinny Enriquez. Hi guys, uh, welcome to the Art for Everyone podcast, where Michael has a background in artists. He's been an art guy his whole life, and me, I can draw stick figures. So it's uh, going to be an exciting time. We bring on some of Michael's friends uh, in the business, and we kind of chop it up, get their insight, and uh, Michael, take it away. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. So today we're going to have Johnny Tran of Thumbprint Gallery with us, and I'll introduce him in just a second, but first I gotta give a shout out to our sponsors because they make all of this possible. I would love for you all to check out Canvi, my favorite staging app for my art. You can try it 30 days for free at canvi.com slash Karini. And I'd also love you to check out Swap-Ons. They are the coolest phone cases. With one case, you have an unlimited swap possibilities. So check out Swap-Ons. You can get 30% off right now with code Michael30, all caps. So check that out. But today I wanted to bring on somebody from my past and a big part of my journey because Johnny and Thumbprints were one of the galleries that gave me an opportunity back around 2009, 2010 when I had just come back to San Diego and was really trying to get my footing in. So, uh, Johnny, let me go ahead and allow you to introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, guys, for having me on the podcast. Um, yeah, my name is Johnny Tran. Um, I am the co-owner of Thumbprint Gallery. Uh, we're located in the La Jolla region of San Diego. And uh, we started in 2009, I think. And um, we focus on uh, pop surrealism, urban art, lowbrow art. We showcase uh, emerging artists um, and sometimes more established artists. And I think that of the galleries that I've seen in San Diego, because I've really kind of paid attention to who does what here, because I have to. Mm -hmm really given a lot of opportunities to a lot of different artists and not just through your gallery shows but through some of the other events that you've done and I imagine that you've kind of had these connections and been able to have these inroads because of your time as a DJ like I remember the mm. basic and stuff like that right right yeah so I, I I basically didn't start out in the art world the fine art world I started out as a musician um, I DJed for, uh, in the beginning and I was DJing, um, events that had to do with art and I started, uh, organizing events that had to do with art, uh, with my DJ gigs at, um, bars, clubs and whatnot like that. And that's how I made all the connections to the local art scene, learn about the industry and uh, ended up opening um, Thumbprint Gallery in uh, 2009 with my business partner, Paul Ekdal. Now, starting a gallery, it's a big venture because I know that I've looked at like the ins and outs of it. And I remember looking at the costs associated with it. And there's a, a lot of overhead. So mm -hmm. ultimately led to you and Paul deciding like, hey, we're going to open a gallery. And you guys have been doing it for a long time. Like I've seen a lot of galleries open up. Mm -hmm. 
a year or two and then closed down. Oh, like, yeah. I've seen that. done this for a long time now. Over Tony, before, before you answer that question, I want to yeah. throw something over there. Before we get too far out there, right? Mm -hmm. After you answer that question, I have to ask what lowbrow art is. I've heard highbrow. I'm guessing mm. like kind of fancy lowbrow seems like dumb art. That's how I take it. But anyways, answer Michael's dumb correction art. and then go back to, to lowbrow art. I'm really intrigued by that one too. Okay. What was your question, Michael? Go ahead. Go ahead and cover the, the lowbrow art because I actually could probably be educated on, you know, exactly what that is and what differentiates that from other art. Yeah. Lowbrow is um, an art style that, emerged i think um in the 80s maybe as far back as late 70s and um it's basically a reaction to academic art in uh, this more conceptual and um it derives you know um from existing styles like comic book art graffiti um illustration art um and uh pop culture so is it like lower class i guess i mean because like yeah well the the term lowbrow like i can't remember the woman that um that that coined it but but it was coined and the people who were um associated with that didn't like it but it is the name that stuck <laughs> so it's not like a negative at all it's just basically it's not it's not meant to be a negative it's meant to be uh in my as far as i can understand it's not meant to be a negative it's meant to be a reaction to um elitist kind of attitudes in the art world gotcha. some people have described it as a working class art genre gotcha okay cool and i so, say that sounds about right to me too right and, and yeah I think that it kind of just opens up the doors to kind of inclusion and mm -hmm. or coming from different cultures and stuff because for a long time art has been seen as like the the white male like it, it's sure. like such a small group of the elite and it's like they're the gatekeepers that decide right. which of the friends they let in right whereas it really is for the people for the people you know you don't need a phd to understand but it can be you know, very deep in meaning as well so um but it doesn't have to be and I think that that's important too, Vinny, because like what we've talked about, like sometimes you're like, well, you know, sometimes I don't feel like I know the words to be a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where we really led people wrong for so long to feel like you needed to know right. something to talk about how something makes you feel because everybody can sure. create something. And everybody but that's, like the, that's in everything, right? I mean, you go to a winery, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you go, oh, this tastes... I don't know, fruit. And they're like, no, you're saying the wrong word. You're supposed to say earthy. <laughs> you're supposed to say this. And you're like, whoa, bro. Like, right. So, so everything we do, I think. Well, yes and no. Cause like that, you're like dealing with a very specific, different type of thing. Whereas art is really kind of in all of us. We're all born mm. with it to, to some degree, man. Now, maybe, Vinny, your art is more selling real estate, but there's an artistry to what you do. And what happens is that I think a lot of times life conditions it out of us because people are like, you're not good enough at this. You shouldn't do that. That's not practical. Don't go this way. Don't go that way. Mm. Do this. Whereas artists, like, we're supposed to break the rules. You know, we create our own worlds and, and welcome it, or should be welcoming more people to it. Right. I would agree. All right. So let's go back, Johnny, to Michael's question. You and your partner, why did you guys open up a gallery? Right, that was a question. Mike? Oh, why or how? Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's a big investment. It's a big commitment, mm -hmm. and, and so many people over the years here in San Diego have been like, "Oh, we're going to start this. 
Like there was recently a gallery in La Jolla that opened up and it was a beautiful space mm -hmm. opened up around the pandemic and Be free, right? Yeah. You see, you already knew. And they're already, and it was a beautiful gallery yeah. space and they had some nice work in there. Well, we just, actually, uh, we actually partnered with them for one show. We threw our, uh, 13 year anniversary party there. So we had a, like a, a duo art show, one at the La Jolla location where we're at Thumbprint Gallery and then Be Free. We threw a show at the same time and, uh, and then, uh, yeah, that was great. But yeah, now they're gone. Too bad. And I think a lot of it comes down to, and it's what I talk about making it as an artist who is a practicing artist is that it really comes down to just your why, your drive and just your refusal to quit because there are going to be obstacles. There's going to be times that it's difficult. There's going to be times that the sales slow down. And you just have to say, well, this is what I was put here to do. And I'm going to make it work. And your gallery, you actually used to be in North Park on university. Mm -hmm. and, and now you're in La Jolla. So you even kind of, you know, you've had to adapt. You've moved. You've changed some things. But you have yeah. found ways to make it work. Do you make money off like a flat fee from the artist or do you get a seller? I mean, a, a percentage of what they sell at the gallery. How does it work? It's consignment. So it's percentage. Um, okay. Yeah. I think most galleries do it that way, but you can of course buy art and sell it, you know, but. So, um, you, so you have to have a pretty good idea of what's actually going to sell because I'm guessing the space is probably expensive for you. You have to. Yeah. You got to have a, yeah. And that comes with experience trying to figure out what sells and um of course we have a certain niche and um so we got to understand the 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 niche that we're in and what those collectors like um and that comes from experience and it's not always about the quality of the art um although that's super important but it also matters um promotions marketing and getting the price point correct you know and then is there is there like a flat I mean because I, I so there's in real estate right there's an industry standard of what commission we basically uh, mm -hmm. usually work with right but then you have some mm -hmm. people that basically do like a discount right they do kind of a discount thing is there in the, in the gallery space okay yeah go is, ahead. There, is there like a like usually a kind of a interesting standard of what the consignment percentage is or is it like you're just trying to get your open your gallery and you're like okay i'm gonna go really low just to get some really good artists in here Mm, um, I, I mean, there's no, there's no one body that decides what the industry standard is. Um, it's really just what is happening in practice and what I've seen is anywhere from 30 to 50%. Um, there's no rules, you know, um, are we allowed to ask you, Johnny, what are you at these days for your cut on it for your relationships with artists? Yeah, so we are now at 40%. Um, I think way back in the day, we started at 30. And then for a while, we were at 50. And now we are at 40. Oh, so you actually went from around 30, 35 up to 50 and then back down again? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, I do remember that from when I worked with you. I remember it being around 35. I, mean, I think so, As yeah. An artist, I found to be really generous on mm -hmm. your part because – most of the galleries that I've worked with and most of the industry standard that I have mm -hmm. seen, and again, like industry standard, like there's a kind of a, a median, but sure. uh, that's usually 50, 50. So when you yeah. were lower and, and being lower, 
it definitely is uh, probably something very attractive for the artists. It puts a little more money in their pockets. It could, um, in theory. Um, we were just starting out and uh, kind of didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> isn't that how this is? Like, the art industry is very much like that. It's like you have mm. to kind of figure things out as you go. And you can know about business, but art business is unlike any other business. <laughs> in a lot of ways. I mean, I bet you um, if you're an artist <coughs> and you've, if you've been working as an artist, you would have a, a, pr a much better idea of how to start a gallery than, than when I started, um, for sure. Well, and one thing that I know is that I would never want to start one. And, and Yeah, good idea. The overhead is, <laughs> you know, because people are like, well, why don't you start a Michael Carini gallery? And I'm like, do you see how mm. mad I already go with all the stuff I got to manage? <laughs> to have to manage a physical space that's going to cost me thousands and thousands of dollars every month just to have the doors yeah. open. Then I have the electricity. Then I got to bring in the support to help navigate the sales. And I have to trust that people are going to do a good job and do it right. And then you have to deal with turnover and you have yeah. to show promotion. And it gets to be more than most people could ever manage, which is why, and that kind of leads to our topic of today, of the importance of artist gallery relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's very important um, because the artists, you know, they're the ones that create the product. And if we don't have the product, we can't sell the product to make money and we can't keep our doors open. Um, so, yeah, um, I believe that relationship is very important. Definitely. How, how do you keep it like, I guess, positive or what do you, is there stuff you do? Um, we just, I just try to be as um, upfront as possible and try to encourage the same from the artists as well. Um, it can be difficult because there's egos and whatnot. Um, it, it's hard to tell an artist, oh, I think you're pricing too high. Some people get offended, you know? So the relationship has to, ideally the relationship has to be as authentic as possible um so you can have those conversations about price or about oh you know you're not framing your artwork correctly you know um so i mean to, to get to like the i guess the nitty-gritty of it and I, and I have no clue if this happened do people get like does the artist get to choose how the paintings are put on the wall or where they're put on the wall or oh well um i don't know about other places but uh we kind of leave that option available, but if they don't want to do it, we'll do it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, um, pretty much it. Uh, we want to display it in a way where it's, it's um, conducive to selling, of course. But, so is um, it like getting the small, like, I don't know, you see the, like the convenience stores, I guess, right? Or another convenience store, the grocery stores, right? The small stuff in the very front, right? <laughs> last minute purchases and the more expensive stuff in the back. Is there stuff like that that plays out in the gallery? Uh, not, not like that, but it, from my perspective, um, I think like more detailed work, um, uh, you know, if should be eye level. If you have to double stack things, then maybe the less detailed work will be up top. You know, um, ideally you shouldn't have to double stack anything, and it's just um, everything is eye level. But but it depends on how much work you have for your for your show and. Um, and how big the space is. So um, there's always that um, factor. You know, the centerpiece has to be a strong piece. Um, am I answering your, your question or? No, no, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, yeah. 
I didn't know like to, to what science goes into it, where you're like mm. dissecting the whole thing and just like, oh, you know, this piece right here, it's uh, it's gonna be the piece that gets you in the door. But this piece, yeah, you gotta have the, the piece that gets you in the door or the the center piece, probably the more expensive piece. Um, in my experience, uh, shows do well for us at least. Um, when we have pieces that are uh, a range of prices from from low to high, and even prints, um, but each gallery is probably a little different. That's what's good for us. So yeah, I think the diversity in the repertoire definitely makes sense in terms of uh, high price, low price. So you can mm -hmm. kind of fill the spectrum. And then these days, are you doing solo shows or are you doing more mm. group based shows? We're doing mostly solo shows now, um, oh, okay. and, and then we're doing um, a, a couple group shows at the gallery, and uh, that's at the main gallery in La Jolla. We do do the pop-up art shows at Bar Basic, which are group shows, um, and those are almost all, you know, those are all group shows, and um, yeah, we, we use that space to kind of um, scout for artists and develop artist talent and develop artist relationships, too. Um, so it's kind of like a foot in the door tryout. It's like a foot in, yeah. It's like a foot in the door tryout. Or if you're even a more established artist, of course, come show with us if you want. Um, yeah, because you really, as a gallery, have to invest a lot in the artist because mm -hmm. that real estate in La Jolla, you know, it's no small amount. And funny enough, going back to something you were just saying a second ago, earlier on in my career it was like a big deal for me to want to have like a solo show or like a two person show because I think it was yeah. very much of like the, I want to feel like I'm proving myself. It was very much for the ego. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as I've gotten further along in my career, I actually find that I lean much more to the group shows oh, wow. at this point in my career. Interesting. And the reason is, is because I find that because I'm kind of always doing something, Sometimes it's hard to get people to come to my shows. And so yeah. if I have a solo show, you know, you kind of put all your eggs in one basket. Whereas yeah. if you have a group show, you have everybody hopefully doing their part to promote and bring mm. an audience, which is going to create a, a larger, broader, more diverse audience and hopefully lead to more generation of sales that will help everybody. Yeah, I mean, the solo shows, it's a lot of pressure for one artist because um, you got to promote it, you got to create the work, you got to meet the deadlines, and it's all on you if if you're the weak link, then that's the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, but I, I think solo shows are very important for artists to have at some point. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it, it shows that a, a, a for-profit gallery is willing to take a risk on you. It does. It really yeah. does. And that and um, and that says a lot. Um, and then collectors will see that. Other galleries will see that. Maybe bigger galleries or whatever. And be, well, if this this gallery took a risk on him. Oh, that gallery's been around for a while. Maybe we should look into him, you know, or her. Um, and the more solo shows, more or less, the better, you know. As long, you know. Um, better galleries solo shows at better galleries the more you can do that you know um the better for you you've been in the yeah. business uh, a long time i mean how much how much art do you actually buy yourself how much do i buy myself yeah because i see some artwork in the background <laughs> yeah. i mean like, so, 
Yeah, I mean, do you buy like do you have like a thing like every year you buy a couple pieces or? Oh, I buy one every month probably. Oh wow! Um, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, my whole house is filled from like top to bottom everywhere. Do you do you sell it too, or do you just basically just keep it like a whole? Like... Oh, the stuff that I buy. Uh, yeah. I've, I've rarely done that, um, but it's totally possible. I sell it like 20, 30 years later. You know, I have, um, yeah, I have prints that I don't even have on display at my house. I'm just keeping them, wait till they become expensive, I guess, or just have a collection, you know. But um, yeah, I have all kinds of art, way too much. Is there, has there been a time, I mean, I'm assuming, right, when you first got into it, where, especially you not being from the art world, mm -hmm. you saw some art that maybe was like, didn't look that great, but you saw what price it actually sold for, and you're like, wow, I cannot believe it sold for that, or is it? Did that? Did that come yeah. Through? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's I still have that experience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but it's just art so subjective. So, um, yeah. Sometimes you think something's not that great and it sells for a lot, and you don't understand. Um, of course, the longer you've been in the industry, the more you understand, and the less that does happen. But sometimes you're just surprised. So is it, cause I know you talked about it already about, you knowing your niche of the people mm -hmm. that you're consumers, right? But do you trust your eye in the fact of, okay, this is a good piece. Or do you look at a track record of the artist and go, this guy has been around. He's been selling a lot of stuff. Right. I just got to go with it. Both. Both All are right. super important for, uh, at least for how we do things. Um, yeah. Track record. If it, if we, we see you selling, and we're looking at your social media. Oh, this guy's, you know, he's selling every show. We look at, uh, you know, maybe the artist's website. And you see, like, this one sold, that one sold, that one sold. And it says sold on your, your store. That's very attractive, you know. Um, yeah, you have a proven track record. And you probably know your price points um, that will be appropriate for selling your art. Um, because you have the data to prove it. So, and that really gets into something that I think a lot of the artists listening and artists that are kind of coming up in the game want to know about is, mm. is how do I become more attractive to a gallery? So, like, what types of things are you looking for? <clears throat> what types of things do you think maybe other galleries are looking for for artists that are kind of just getting started out and yep. like saying, hey, I want to show in a gallery someday? Yeah. I mean, show us. That you've you've done shows, you know. Show us you have a body of work that's consistent in style, so we can kind of envision. Oh, well, this could be a solo show. But if you're doing a million different styles, like you look like you are, you're like six or seven different artists. If we we book you, we don't know what we're gonna get, you know. Um, that's true, and I've run into that, and I've had that conversation with some artists because there are some very very talented, technically skilled artists. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have a clear direction in their work. Yeah. Saying that there's something I get wrong it, though. with that, like right. if that's what you like to do, then that's okay. Sure. But I've had to explain to them that if you're going to approach a gallery, though, a yeah. gallery is looking for some cohesion, like a body of work. And like for me, I have a few different bodies of work in the galleries that I work with. They'll yeah. even show the different bodies of work. Mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. There's at least like a set of, 20, 30, 40 paintings that fit within that so that you can see that for a period of time, 
this is what I was doing. And so a gallery can present that as, oh, well, this is his boy in the box collection. And this is his upside of down collection. So it yeah. at least gives them a way to market and promote. Right. It's that's what it really comes down to is um, easier to promote an artist who who has a consistent style. Um, another thing is uh, what we like to look at. What I like to look at um, is um, your CV. Like show us your 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 career trajectory. You've shown here. You've shown there. You know. And if you're thinking. In investment terms, you know, as far as art commodity, and if, if that's part of your reasoning and buying things, um, buying artwork, you're looking at that and you don't want this artist to quit after you buy his painting. Yeah. You know? So if you have 10 years of constant solo shows, one a year, he's unlikely going to quit. It's worth, you know, think more investment kind of uh, factor factor gets factored in a little bit more and um yeah you, you feel like you want to pull the trigger a little more um confidently wait so if they quit is it more so the because i thought when like there's less of a product it's going to make it more but i guess if they quit they're not building their name up right so yeah I, a lot of people think that um but, you know because you're thinking supply and demand but you're for but you're only worrying about supply in your scenario, you got to build demand first. Otherwise, your supply is irrelevant, you know? Like, I don't paint. I'll paint one tomorrow. And my supply is one. That doesn't mean it's worth anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Were you just thinking that you're going to do one painting, go back to real estate, and just sell that for the yeah. cost? Yeah. Hey, you know what? This is my million-dollar idea. Kind. You can't it's get a, any more of these. <laughs> yeah. So, a lot of people think that or, like, you know, but you got to build demand first. That's what supply matters. Yeah. If you're if you're if you don't have demand for your your product, it doesn't matter what your supply is. You know, it really doesn't matter. So Johnny is touching on something really important here with the artist resume, the curriculum vitae. Yeah, um, this is. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> I don't even know if I pronounce it right, but uh, that's what I'm. At least you knew what it was. I couldn't remember. It was like a CV. But it, yeah, so essentially that's <laughs> an artist resume. It's like mm -hmm. the shows that you've done, yes. the awards you've won, your mm -hmm. education and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so this is an area that where I would not necessarily advise artists to follow my lead because <laughs> in 2020. I burned my resume and just said, fuck my resume. Like <laughs> every day I am working my ass off. And so people can look at what I'm doing. And so my reasoning behind it was mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to give me an opportunity because of what I did yesterday or what I did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I have done so much and I am doing so much all the time that mm -hmm. I want people to look at what I'm doing right now. And if people want to work with me because they see what I'm doing right now, then let's work together. But I, I've also kind of been in a position where I could kind of get away with that because I've been in the game for a long time and I've yeah. done a lot. And if you just kind of Google me, you'll find some stuff. But I was thinking about this yesterday. If but it's look, difficult. It's difficult to find out about an artist that way. You know, you only have yeah. so much time. You, you, I mean, you want, you want the, the potential gallery to see within a minute what you've done. Not, I need to spend half an hour to see this guy, you know, whatever he's done. Um, so yeah. Johnny, so you talked about partnerships, right? You and the artist, the gallery and the artist, right? So I, I know there's probably some artists that are a pain in the ass to work with, right? So on a scale Not of Michael, one to though. 10, 
Oh no, uh, you you you're jumping the gun a little bit. On a scale of one to ten, really easy to work you're, with. You're about to throw him under the bus. I saw that. <laughs> so you're saying he's a one out of ten? Like no, no, no. He's, he's, he's great. He's, he was very professional. Oh okay. But I'll, I'll be honest, and and I am not always easy to work with. And what I mean by that is, I think, and I was meaning to do this for one of my personal live talks that I do upcoming. I think that sometimes when you know your value and you know what you want and you demand what you want, people may label you as difficult, but it's just that I know where I want to go and what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So each time I talk to a gallery, I say, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. This is what right. I'm willing to work with. These are the terms I'm willing to work with. Mm -hmm. So some people may call that difficult, mm -hmm. but I think it goes back to what Johnny was saying of just being very transparent and yeah. honest because I do have to have the conversations right. with my gallery of, hey, the economy has been pretty brutal this year. Do you want to do a sale on your work? Should we reevaluate the pricing mm -hmm. on this piece? Should we go up in pricing? Should we go down in pricing? Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to evaluate those things and strategically and, and have conversations. Right. And by allowing the gallery to be a part of the dialogue and the conversation, it's, it's a relationship. And yes. the relationship needs to be one of balanced reciprocity to truly work because yeah. like a relationship with a partner, like a romantic relationship, if you're making all the decisions and you just don't ever listen to your partner, like, yeah, maybe you're getting your way, but overall that's not a healthy relationship. That's going to, it's probably fun. <laughs> what, did, what did you say? <laughs> not if you're not getting your way, it's not. And, and yeah, yeah, if you're the one not getting your way, it's not fun at all. But um, yeah, you're totally right. You gotta, you gotta be, uh, you know, completely open with with your business partner. Essentially, that's what the artist is. Now, your contracts that you do with artists, how thorough are they? Because I know that there's some galleries where it's just like, okay. We have a contract, but it's basically like, hey, it's going to be on consignment. It's just a couple lines. There's not a lot of that just 20-page boilerplate BS mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. people do for legal contracts. Are you super thorough in your contracts, or is it kind of just like, hey, we're going to work together. It's a mutual agreement, and it's pretty simple and straightforward. And we'll kind yeah, of we, we keep it pretty simple and straightforward. I don't know if that's the best idea. That's what we've been doing. <laughs> I've been narrow too, and I've always thing. <laughs> like intellectually, being intellectually honest is probably not the best thing to do, but uh, you know that's how we've been working. But ultimately, like those are the people that someone like me wants to work with. I'm yeah. a person, like I'm a person of my word, and so it's like, hey, if we shake hands, if we have an agreement, that's what we're gonna do. Right. Gap things to make it work. But I mean, when you're talking about business and there's money on the line, there's yeah. careers on the line. Mm -hmm. it's complicated sometimes yeah i mean generally in business i think you should have things in writing and but you know do you, are, are most of your sales walk-ins or online uh most of the sales happen at the opening reception most of the time so and the opening cool. reception is the first night of the the exhibition which is you know usually a month and uh, most of the sales happen then. And then um, after that, between walk-ins and online, I think online is a little more, but well, walk-ins happen too. So do you have a lot of partnerships with other galleries or is that like... Partnerships? Yeah, like, oh man, we got we have this event coming up. Throw out some of your people. You're up in LA, we're down in San Diego. I mean, things like that. Um, Are you guys totally separate? Like, I mean... Like, is it you competing against them because you have the online platform or do you guys like, hey, 
you have access to this one artist. They have a different artist up there. There might be some, like you said, collaborations locally here. Yeah. But there are collaborations yeah. outside of like San Diego. Like you talk to someone you oh, know. Oh, I mean, we've, we've done collaborations Europe. outside of San Diego. Yeah, we've, okay. I've, I've collaborated with um, other gallerists in uh, Los Angeles um, a few times. And um, within San Diego, mostly within San Diego, we've collaborated. But yeah, I'm looking to do more um, outside of San Diego too. So how does how does that work? I mean, because is it like, is it the person that makes a space? Is that how you you split the forty percent that you're getting, or is it you're bringing oh, people to like yeah, can, flip it any way you want? Really, okay. um, yeah. It, it, there's no one way to do it as long as all parties agree. Um, so yeah, maybe some like I think in in LA we we hooked up with uh, another gallery like a start like one that just started up and um we did a um uh you know a, a show somebody what's, what's a very famous uh who who made uh beetlejuice who's that guy oh uh, uh tim burton tim, tim burton. burton yeah we did a tim burton themed art show oh shit and um, this was like, you know, in LA, and this this lady had a lot of the connections in the film industry, and um, she actually had some Tim Burton actual art in the show as well. So, um, and she was the one that rented the space and and um, handled all that. But I came in because I had experience, and I set up a show for her and kind of showed her the ropes. But yeah, that's the collaboration that we did um, pre-pandemic. Um, maybe like seven or eight years ago, seven years ago, maybe. Gotcha. That's one of the things I've loved about your gallery for all these years too, is that you have done like, we have our gallery stuff, but we're also going to like do this event and have you, and I think that your background really kind of plays into that, but you've also been more willing than many to collaborate. And that kind of goes back to something that I've talked about a lot hmm. with artists and that it's that with other artists, they are not my competition we can feed each other. And I think the mm -hmm. same goes with galleries is that sometimes galleries, especially in the same area, will look at other galleries as like, oh, well, you know, if you get a sale, then, then that may have been a sale that we could have got. But I think that if you can strategically collaborate, it just kind of benefits everybody. And I did want to ask, so I know down here in North Park for a long time, it's no longer, but we had Ray at night. Is there yeah. something that in La Jolla that you participate in, like one of the weekly things that mm -hmm. month. Oh yeah, we have a, a first Fridays, a La Jolla Art Walk. So there's like maybe forty galleries or something like that participating. So every first Friday, four to seven p.m. Um, that's when we have our opening reception um, for our new exhibition. So yeah, in La Jolla, and I think that's been going on for a while. It, it started and stopped. You know, um, many times. Uh, but yeah, this this is going now. It's going I was going to ask well. you if you coincided your openings with that because mm -hmm. I, that, that would drive a lot of traffic. Because I know that what I've experienced over the years is that when you have like one gallery having an opening, people may come, especially if it's like a group show. Sure. A lot of mm -hmm. But when there's a reason for people to come out because there's food and there's a handful of things mm -hmm. they can do, people are much more inclined to. Oh, yeah. It, it's just. It's much more strategic to um, have a, a all how do you say all boats rise kind of mentality, 
Um, I, th I think um, I think usually uh, art art galleries tend to thrive more when there are other art galleries around, um, despite what people despite what a lot of galleries may think, because instinctually you think you're competing with them, and yeah, you kind of are, but you still need like a concentration of art galleries to uh, attract people, because like you said driving a, a huge amount of time to just a one art gallery. Some people might not want to pull that trigger, you know? Yeah. And what you're showing might be different than what Quint is showing. Right. Or right. Stevenson is showing. And there that may be too. different price points and you may be just because it's a new exhibition, it's different. Mm -hmm. art So it kind of gives people uh, a broader variety, but somebody that stumbles into their gallery and goes, Oh, you know, I, I like this artist, but I can't afford that $30,000 painting. Mm -hmm. Maybe into your gallery and be like, oh, you know, here's a young up and comer and they're worth mm -hmm. $500. And so you might have that appeal to them where they're like, oh, you sure. know, I can get, especially because La Jolla is an area that a lot of uh, visitors will stop by a lot of tourists. So yep. I'm curious, do you get a lot of tourist traffic? Do you find? Yeah, we get tourists, um, especially in the summer and um, the first Fridays. Yeah, we get some tourists definitely. Um, but I don't know if there are a significant amount of our sales. Um, you know, we'll sell some little prints and stuff like that to the tourists. Sometimes we sell a bigger thing, but usually, um, usually most of our sales come from locals. Do you find it's locals well beyond La Jolla or do you get like a bulk of stuff from the just vicinity around you? I think it's a little more concentrated from La Jolla and the vicinity around us, but no, it's definitely, it's very diversified. Uh, within San Diego, though, for the most part, maybe a little bit leaning towards our locale, but not by a lot. And I was always curious in in making your move from North Park to La Jolla, mm. if the sales would have increased dramatically because of the different demographic. La Jolla is typically known as an area with a lot of money. But what I also have to remember in that case is that the overhead may be significantly higher in terms of cost of operation. I think um, the range of, uh, of, of cost of overhead in La Jolla can get higher than North Park, but, um, but it, it also has a lower range um, as well. And um, the, the brand is actually pretty similar, honestly. And um, you got to remember that La Jolla is, you know, one of the, wealthiest you know places in the country so what does that mean they're fully gentrified yeah so, so that so that means that means they're the the uh the fluctuations in uh, monthly rent is very minimal um and it's really the fluctuation of your established rent is what causes uh businesses to fold um it's not so much the number itself if you can make X amount of monthly rent work for you. Now, if, if the next month it goes up times two X then you, or three X, which has happened in North park. Yeah. then you're done. But if, if my X in La Jolla is supposedly a little higher, but it never changes. And I got my business model working perfectly for that X. How's it? How's the customer, the La Jolla customer, differ from the North Park customer. You talked about basically a kind of gentrification mm -hmm. where North Park has been 
getting genderfied over the last what 15 years like that well, oh yeah well when well, we yeah. were when we were there we were i was basically one of the first gentrifiers of north park <laughs> uh thumbprint gallery you know we were uh i remember we were in north park and um in our first location and we still have like hookers across the street you know people selling crack like literally across the street from the gallery well, that's why, why you have the best parties. What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, the best parties. <laughs> well, it, it also prompted us to uh, change our gallery hours from later in the evening to <laughs> in the day. I was like, you know, that wasn't very well thought out. So, so was it like, I mean, more looky loos that couldn't really afford the price? Oh, oh, I see. North Park versus La Jolla. Well, I mean, I guess at that time too, you probably had people that were, I don't know, like. I don't know. You, I don't know the, the right word to describe it, but like people that maybe wanted to be in that scene but weren't there yet, or were you getting people that were kind of hating that you were trying to genderify their neighborhood and like? Oh, you know what? We didn't get anybody hating. Um, I don't think people fully understood what gentrification was then. Um, mm. Yeah, at least the the people that we were around. So. Um, there, but, there's a guy, uh, one of a close friend that I mean, they moved down to Barrio Logan, and they were getting a lot of negative publicity down there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is kind of a cultural thing there too, because it's known as a uh, you know, Chicano Park is there, and yeah. um, there's a whole other element there. Um, but North Park, you know, I mean, we we didn't experience any of that. No, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember your openings, and it was nice too. And admittedly, for me as an artist and as somebody that's neurodivergent and has trouble getting out, it was nice when we had like I loved when you were down here, and I loved when we had Ray at night because it gave me an opportunity mm -hmm. to be able to kind of go and be a little more involved in the art scene than I am in some ways today. Like I don't get out nearly as much today because there's not mm -hmm. as much. I mean, there's stuff opening up. But it was like it was the thing to do. Like people would call me up and they'd be like, "Hey, Thumbprint's having a, an opening right down the street." Mm. And, go. and people would swing by, pick me up, and we go. And it, I just—it was such a great time coming to see the shows and everything going on. And there'd be a packed house, and there'd be people out front. And mm. that's one of the big things that would attract people is that it was like, "Oh, what's going on over there?" And I, I want to thank you for kind of. I feel like you were instrumental in kind of driving the art scene here in San Diego up because. I left LA in 2006 after graduating and I came back to San Diego because this is where I grew up. And I said, Oh, well, you know, it's a smaller art scene here, but I can be a, a big fish in a small pond. I can be instrumental in developing and cultivating the art scene. Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And I feel like thumbprint as much as really any other gallery, contemporary gallery I can think of has been instrumental in helping the scene grow here. I think you've been a big part of that. Oh, well, thank you for uh, recognizing that. Appreciate it. Just trying our best. <laughs> um, I mean, when we started, the scene was uh, very small. I mean, I think it's still pretty small. but In relation to L.A. and other cities? In relation to L.A. and, uh, yep, and everything else. As far as, like, you know, number of artists, number of galleries, and number of buyers. But, yeah, when, we, when, when I started, and really I was in the – I started a business, and I started – into the art scene in uh, 2007 with the DJ and promote, promoter, stuff like that. And when I was doing the, the Bar Basic Tuesdays art shows, um, I mean, we were the only really opportunity for that kind of thing for uh, artists 
um, looking just to get there for a show. Um, so we were always like packed and, um, and just tons of submissions for art. And, but, you know, at now there's a lot more. You, you could probably do a group show one, you know, one, one, a, one a week, you know, if you wanted to, because there's a lot of those types of art shows out there. Um, at a certain point, it got oversaturated with too many art events going on and it gets overwhelming too because i mean on your part like you you're managing a lot with all the things that you're doing mm -hmm. um you're saying it's overwhelming because i was doing too many shows just that and like even just for like an individual to manage a lot of events like with me oh. right now with the podcast with the multiple galleries with the creating new work and the social media platforms like we get stretched far yep. thinner than I think a lot of people realize. And to manage a gallery, you have to put on a lot of hats. You have to do a lot of things. So yeah, there's a, uh, definitely, I see what you're saying, an oversaturation of the market in, in the industry. Yeah. But yeah. also like, it, it's also gets to be a lot for you and feeling like you need to keep up with, you know, if this gallery is doing this many events, well, we got to do that many events too. It gets to be really overwhelming. Um, yeah, it can be. Um, Cause we were still, um, up until like 2014, 2015, I'd say we were still kind of a hybrid business of uh, art gallery and also event company, you know, and we would do, you know, these art events at the bars and at the breweries and whatnot is also have the gallery as well. Um, but so what I was saying, how it was oversaturated is because there were just too many art events and not enough artists in San Diego to, to fulfill that need for art in all these art events. There were too many pop-ups in breweries and whatnot. Um, but that oversaturation was not, um, what was not fueled by, by a demand for art as far as people buying art. There's more de demand for artists, to create art events, you know, for breweries and bars to uh, make money. That's a really good point. And that's yeah. a thing that I still notice going on a lot right now. Like I'll get requests of like, oh, well, we're doing this little event for our business. And, you know, mm. part of me wants to support them. But part yeah. of me is like, I show with several galleries. I got to be kind of picky about oh, yeah. who I work with and the opportunities because I don't want to stretch my work too thin. And I need to make sure that it's being at this stage of my career that it's being presented. Right. So I think that it can be great for artists that are trying to break yep. in and just get some visibility mm -hmm. because you had mentioned that what attracts you as a gallery is artists with shows on their resume. So it's yes. a good way to get those initial shows. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Cause I felt the same way of like, every week I feel like I'm getting a handful of requests of like, Oh, like our little juice stand is yeah. once doing some artwork. And I, not for that this. I don't them but i have to be particular about where yeah. i put my work because of the value of it and all that goes into it because this is how i make my living it's so presented right what does that mean what presented no just presented in a way that is going to be professional like is the gallery like when i work with the gallery now uh what is the percentage arrangement what's the commission split are you going to do physical promotion are you going to do a card are you going to do an email blast are you going to do a blog post are you going to do an interview are you going to uh, bring in your 
uh, elite collector base to come look at my work? Are you going to specifically mention my work to them? So these are things I wouldn't have thought about earlier on in my career. But at this stage, these are things that I have to think about because of sustainability. And like Johnny mentioned earlier, if X doesn't change, then you kind of know what you got to meet. And you mentioned how down here south of you, mm -hmm. it, it seems to fluctuate a lot more than it does in an area right. like La Jolla. And I definitely felt that because I built my model of sustainability off of limiting my overhead. Like I paid off my student loans yep. 10 years early with the money I paid, I made off mm. my art. I uh, paid off my car. I don't do credit cards. I live a really basic, simple life. I've lived in the same apartment for 17 years yeah. in theory. Wow. If years, pretty yeah. <laughs> Before I started showing with you. Oh my gosh. Wow. Theory, though, like I built a model that should work because mm -hmm. my value has increased over time. I, I hope. I hope I yeah, have. Yeah, no, clearly it has. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I struggle more now. And it's because my rent yep. is double what it was when I moved in. And I have a degree of rent control. But even with my degree of rent control, sure. it costs me double. So it's like, forget that car payment and the student loans. I'm having mm -hmm. to pay more than all of that just for keeping the roof over my head these days. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I in my opinion, one of the biggest uh, factors that's inhibiting the San Diego art scene is the rising cost of living 100%. causing artists to, you know, basically get out of the scene, leave San Diego, you know, because the costs are going up. The demand is not going up. But how does it affect, let's say you have an artist that comes from Arizona, right? Mm -hmm. Or something like that. I mean, how many out of area artists do you have at your gallery? Are they, are they mostly San Diego based artists? Oh, we're mostly San Diego based artists. But um, there are artists that moved to San Diego, um, and then now they're San Diego artists. There's a lot of that. But, you know, a lot of times they, they leave because they can't afford to live here. Or, or they go to L.A. because the demand is higher there. So it's both. Demand yeah. is low. Supply of artists is low because of cost of living. So. And that's something that I noticed a lot of this year. And I've spoken to several galleries, uh, galleries that I work with and also other galleries. And I've, I've seen galleries mm -hmm. close past year. Sure, yeah. It's uh, the demand has gone down, not because people stopped caring about art, but the economy got hit pretty hard this year. And what happens a lot of times, or at least what I feel is that when the economy gets hit, one of the first things that people sacrifice on is purchasing artwork because it's not, food it's not gas and electricity it's something that yeah it may bring them comfort it may make them happy in some ways you can argue that it's a necessity because it makes life fulfilling and worthwhile but it's not as much of a necessity as keeping a roof over your head right and so like i have actually like we were talking about with the transparency of galleries that's one of the reasons i've had to have these conversations with my galleries is because my galleries have said hey it's not just you like we're dealing with this too right of the sales going down dramatically because people are not spending on art. And so uh, brick and mortar galleries, I think it's getting harder for them too, mm -hmm. because they're dealing with all the online competition and all these sites yep. that are selling canvas prints and stuff. And a lot of times people will be like, Oh, well, I don't necessarily need an original. I can buy this print for 40 bucks and it includes shipping as opposed to going in and supporting real artists, making the work in these small local businesses like you that are really doing a service for the community. Yeah. Um, that's a, 
a lot of stuff to deal with. <laughs> so let's say you have an art show, right? For a month, right? Mm-hmm. How often does the artist have to come in or is it more on their choice to come in mm-hmm. to deck, to, to sell it? Oh, um, the artist should just be there on the opening. Oh, okay. and, and that's about, I mean, you're welcome to come hang out with me <laughs> while I'm doing gallery hours. Sometimes they do. A lot of times artists will, this is good. This is a good thing. Artists will bring, you know, throughout the month, they'll bring their friends, you know, you know, make a day out of it. Like they'll meet up with their friends at the gallery and then go to the beach after because we're right by the beach or go to the museum after. So, um, so sometimes the artist does come through uh, throughout the month. Yeah, being in La Jolla, there's really no excuse for them not to come by. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That kind of goes in with our talk for today, too, because I think bringing value to the gallery, like the gallery brings value to the artist. Mm. Artists should be also reciprocating, bringing value to the gallery. And so Mm. we've talked about with several of my galleries is sometimes artists feel that, you know, I I sign a deal with the gallery. The gallery is going to sell my work. And that's it. Mm-hmm. But galleries, I think, like it when artists actively promote, tag the gallery, mm-hmm. share, repeat. Like you have a show up for a month. Mm-hmm. Why are sometimes artists only sharing it once? Like share it. Like you have an opportunity. You have work on exhibit. It benefits and behooves you to share this. Share what you're doing. Share the yep. gallery. Make the gallery want to work with you more on an ongoing basis. Like build that relationship cultivate that yeah well it makes you more um valuable as an artist to choose for us to take a risk on you know um we know that you you do all the promotions and whatnot um yeah it's much better makes you more attractive of course are there anything or do you have a and these don't have to be actual experiences that you mm-hmm. have the things that an artist could do that might make you say like, oh yeah, we're not touching that. We don't ever want to deal with that. We don't want to work with somebody like that. What are some turnoffs for galleries? Um, just, you know, being, just, just being kind of, uh, what do you, what do you call it? Um, elitist, I guess. Um, yeah, like, oh, I'm actually too big for you. (laughs) which, which kind of makes me wonder why you're talking to me then. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of bad attitudes. Um, you know, people aren't perfect. And, you know, if it's not that bad, it can be overcome. But it's definitely a turnoff for me and Paul. Um, I think maybe because of our personalities, um, we're just a little more laid back and, and we just don't want a lot of hassle a lot of times. Well, but, he- have you bit the bullet? Like if someone's like, oh, this guy's a jerk. He's an elitist. But oh, they yeah. sell a lot of products and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to. Oh, no. Have we bit the bullet? No. We've done the opposite. We've had a, you know, very high selling artist. And this person, you know, I mean, says something kind of racist. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh-huh. Against Filipinos. Uh, and my business partner is a Filipino, and we're just like, eh, maybe this guy is not the right one. Although he, you know, this person sold a lot, so in that way, we bit the bullet. Um, but and your galleries yeah. haven't really gone the other way, I don't think. No, not, not too much. What if it was a really, really like Van Gogh walked in the door, but you found out he's a big time racist, and you're like, oh gosh, 
All right. I guess I got to let his uh, stuff up there. I, I think some people that might be okay, but for me, it's not. Uh, <laughs> I can understand why somebody would do that. It is capitalism, uh, you know? Yeah. Well, and on the flip side too, like for an artist, it's like, well, if there's a, a gallerist or an art dealer, that could really make you a lot of money, but you just really don't jive with them. You don't feel like they mm. really your best. Like, you know, these are, again, it comes back to those relationships. Yeah. And one of the things that I've heard from some galleries that are major turnoffs for them is when a gallery is, is under contract with the artist and certain work is on consignment or, um, okay, maybe the work isn't even technically on consignment, but somebody finds the artist and contacts the artist directly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they found them because of the gallery. Yeah. And they don't, the artist doesn't source or they don't admit to sourcing sure. the sale and they sell directly to the collector. So it's like the collector bypassed the gallery system. Mm -hmm. So the artist doesn't have to pay the commission to the gallery. Right. That's very short term thinking. And isn't, I don't think it's illegal. Well, it depends on the contract, you know. Um, but you're, if the gallery finds out, you're burning that bridge. Which, so, so which it may or may not matter to you, but that's just what it is. At least understand you made that decision. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I try not to worry too much about that. Um, it's better to, to put your effort into creating a relationship. So you don't you don't have to worry so much about that if you have a good relationship. So so how does that work? It then? does happen though. Is, is so is that like okay, you're gonna you got four, 30 pieces from the artist, and these 30 pieces are gonna be the stuff on consignment, right? Mm -hmm. But then let's say, because like in that scenario with Michael, right? Where the where the gallery found, let's say Michael's piece, right? He has 30 pieces over there, but they found his piece and they liked his style, but they wanted to see if he had something else that was separate from that. Does he still owe you something because the guy bought something that wasn't technically on consignment? Oh, usually not. Usually okay. not. Um, not legally, technically, unless there's something um, stated in the contract. Um, although I think most of the times um, the artist will refer the buyer to us. And okay, we'll so they we'll still word. get the cut, you know? Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it really does come down to the contract. And also, mm -hmm. it's if a gallery is really taking care of you and people are coming to you because of the gallery, mm -hmm. why would you not, you know, be like, Hey, you know, I'm eating right. because of you technically, like I'm going to take care of it. So uh, it really just depends how much the artist values that relationship with that particular gallery. Huh. Or if, there, if you're even cognizant, that's what is like at stake. <laughs> and there has been a time or two where I have actually myself admittedly forgotten to ask, somebody that contacts like somebody may be like hey i really like that piece how much is that and they may contact me because i usually get contacted on facebook or instagram mm -hmm. a lot of times my brain will automatically be like oh well they're contacting me on facebook or instagram so they follow me mm -hmm. because of my facebook and instagram but i've had to learn that i need to ask did you find me oh, because okay. of my gallery and you just happened to contact me on this well that's very generous of you i'm sure most artists don't do that um, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's great that you do. That means you, you, you do value your relationship with the galleries you have and you're probably pretty happy with them. 
Well, if you build a good relationship with the gallery, like some of the galleries that I work with will constantly have your work on rotation. Like right. you know, in fine art, they pretty much exclusively do group shows that are like 10 weeks long. So mm -hmm. I'll work up for 10 weeks and then it'll rotate and then there will be new work of mine up for. Right. So it's basically like I have a handful of shows a year, but work always on exhibit. Yeah, and that's good. that is something that brings tremendous value to an artist. Well, well, the thing is, you 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 brought value to the gallery, and you're what you're doing is that you're minimizing the risk they're taking on you because the history is that you have produced sales, you've even gone out of your way to help the gallery sell, so the risk is very low for uh, showing your artwork compared to somebody else who may not do that as much. Now, have you ever had artists that didn't? necessarily bring you a lot of money mm -hmm. but you're just like hey we like this artist we like what they do we like what they're about we want to show their work or maybe the style wasn't really even in line with what you usually show but you're like hey we just like this artist we want to give this artist an opportunity yeah the thinking is more like we like the the artist give him an opportunity but also help him develop or her develop so that's kind of more like a long-term relationship and yeah, we, we have some of those definitely. And um, a lot of times they do pay out. And the artists that you work with, how, like you and I have been in contact and we've come in cross, even though I don't get out much, you and I have crossed paths. A number mm -hmm. of do you find that you're still in touch with a lot of the artists that you were working with back around when you started? Or have you found that maybe a lot of those artists dropped off and aren't even making art in there? Oh yeah, there's a, definitely a lot of artists that dropped off, not making art anymore, um, or have left San Diego for you know those reasons we were just talking about the cost of living and whatnot and low demand. Um, but yeah, I, I'll still keep track of, I'll still keep in touch with a lot of artists that I've worked with before in the past. Um, I think you when you showed with us, you it was like a two man show. I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eric Wixon and I, I was in a. Seattle, no Portland, Portland, and I ended up uh, meeting up with him <laughs> like uh, this year. So yeah, and um, he's one of the first artists I worked with. So yeah, I keep keep uh keep in touch with a lot of people. But some people, you know, they fall out of the scene, um, don't want to do it anymore, that kind of thing. You, you ever thought about getting into the the art game yourself, drawing any pictures, or do you draw any pictures or painting stuff? Or no, not really. No. Yeah, it like requires like a talent and a discipline and patience, and I don't have any of that. Well, you were well, Michael. You said he was a DJ, right? You were a DJ before, correct? So, I mean, that's kind of like a creative kind of like mind. I mean, so mm -hmm. are you doing other stuff that's like I guess relatively creative? That you're yeah, I, I you know I I, I create uh, my own music. Um, a little electronica and down tempo. Oh, still doing it. Kind of, yeah. Well, oh, this is not DJing though. This is okay. creating my original music. But I don't DJ anymore though. I was curious about that because I've always wondered. Like, I would think that you might use the gallery, especially like the openings, as an opportunity for you to DJ those events to kind of like merge the things together. Yeah, I used to do a little bit more of that, but I think it just makes more sense for me to be selling the art you know, during the opening receptions. 
True, true. And then you did mention though that you're not even doing as much of the event stuff anymore. That yeah, it means the gallery, just the gallery stuff. Just gallery stuff. Um, we we're still doing bar basic, um, once or twice a month, but bar basic is uh moving, and they're gonna be shutting down for a while before they move to the next location. So, bar basic art shows are done as far as I know, um, starting in April or maybe sooner. But yeah, so after that, that we're done with the uh, the kind of pop up, regular pop up art shows at bars and clubs and whatnot. But for a while, we were doing like three or four monthly things going on on top of the the art gallery. Um, yeah, did you find that that drove a lot of people uh, traffic to the gallery or increased visibility? Like with social media, it definitely increased visibility, but it was a strain on time and resources. And ultimately I kind of (laughs) regret going in that business, business strategy direction. Um, But uh, you know, hindsight is 2020, but yeah, I, I kind of, cause I, I saw there was demand for those kinds of events from bars and clubs and wineries and whatnot. So I, I kind of leaned into it when I should have like stepped away from it. So I think you did a good job with it though. And I mean, it definitely made me notice you more. I can see what you're talking about in terms of like the, the positives versus the negatives and overall the cost may not have been worth it, but I mean, it did make you stand. And even if it was just for a period of time, yeah, it it does stand out of my memory. Like the, yeah. So, so the positive was there. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm pretty sure the negative outweighed the positive, honestly. Um, but yeah, I just, my mistake, the biggest thing is I, I misread um, kind of the market supply and demand and, and I kind of, the market was oversaturated. It was hard to get, get any traction um, on those events to make it worthwhile. So I should have been pulling back on the events and and just focusing on you know maybe just the gallery maybe just a few events, but instead we're spreading out our uh, following a little like way too much, and um, yeah, mistake learned, mistake <laughs> happened and lesson learned. <laughs> That's the nature of art, though. It's no, like, yeah, the nature of life. to success. So, Mike, I think Michael talked about it right, like getting the vibe right with the gallery, right? So if you were talking to an artist, right, you're trying to help out an artist, they were like in a different country or something, whatever it might be. And they're trying to find out, Hey, is this art, this gallery right for me? Are there questions that like the artist should be asking the gallery besides, hmm. I guess the commission or the assignment cost. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. um, before you even ask anything on the gallery, research the gallery, look at the website, see what they show. And does your art fit, Mm. you know, which seems to be, you know, it's subjective, but it's just super important that you do that and you're not just kind of spinning your wheels and wasting your time. But it's really hard for a lot of artists to understand that for some reason, you know, particularly emerging artists and whatnot, people trying to get their foot in the door. But um, the the analogy I I always make is uh, like if you have like a, a club, it's a jazz club. It's called the jazz club, you know? Mm. 
but you you know you're not going to pitch your country music band to that jazz club like why would you do that well did, didn't they you clearly say that they, they, they they you know they, they specialize in jazz so don't offer them country <laughs> you're wasting everybody's time so that happens we, to me a lot like we have our style our niche and then artists will come in with you know just not 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 bad art but just uh you know um stuff that we don't show like a uh, plain plain air uh you know uh scenery stuff and just, well this is great landscape work but we don't show that you know well yeah and like abstract and like, the nature of the work that i do like, right i would love to work with you more but it's like it would have to be for like a show where you felt that it was like oh you know mm -hmm. it kind of sense to bring it in here because it's yeah. not necessarily what you normally do type of thing yeah correct although uh i i wouldn't say we don't show abstract but um it does have to kind of make sense in certain ways and you're absolutely right too in the assessment of is it the right gallery for me it, but it's it's interesting because one of my philosophies because i just like i i go against the grain on everything <laughs> yeah, you like, do. <laughs> I, I look at the galleries and i'm like okay so my work you know fit, but i want it to fit but not too much because mm. it's like want to fit but yeah. you want to stand out at the same time. Yeah, that's It's true. like you don't want to be what everybody else is. So it's, it's a really weird thing because it's almost like if you make work that is truly unique and truly different, sometimes you don't fit into the contemporary dialogue or the conversation of what's going on because you may really be the avant-garde. You may be at the front doing the stuff that nobody else is doing or really pushing the boundary and doing something new. And sadly, you know, the stuff that is like the most amazing stuff often isn't appreciated in its time yeah i think the, the pressure to fit fit into a certain niche or even to have a certain niche is really just um it's just capitalism you know because your, your marketing has to be um you know you have a limited marketing uh, budget and resources and you want to aim at the most likely demographic and if you're too wide in in uh, demographic then you're not as effective and penetrating you know such a huge market of like oh i show all art you know so it it you know the 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 pressure to specialize is really just based on economics because naturally i think artists want to do all kinds of different stuff but the economics doesn't really allow that same with galleries especially once you start working with the gallery sometimes you may feel like you're trapped or confined and some artists mm -hmm. just and, you, and, and, and in a way you are, yeah. in a way you are, but that's just the system we're in. You know, you gotta, you gotta hit your market and you have limited marketing resources and you gotta make money to pay rent. All right. So talking about economics, talking about capitalism, going the other direction, right? All right. All right. So let's say someone had <laughs> listening, they got some money, they got, you know, I mean, a hundred thousand or whatever it is. All and right. they're like, you know what? I'm going to buy some art. I'm gonna go buy some art and in 10 years I'm gonna sell this art and make some money off it. Okay, okay. All right, so what so is there Come like thumbprint gallery? <laughs> yeah, so what so what's like <laughs> is there keys to the game to go, okay, this is the kind of oh, art to, I need to get or oh to invest? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I think first off, I think investment is like a very small percentage of uh what people think about when they're buying art um, yeah in fact most people don't think about it at all I, I do think about it but i'm probably like not the average person 
but yeah so if you want to in my opinion if you want to invest in art look at artists who are um established showing in big galleries you know um a track record of selling out shows and and they got to be you know pretty famous otherwise everything else is kind of like a penny stock you know so you um, you'd rather go with like the more established one buy only a couple painting or, yeah. or would you go with penny stocks a bunch of little small ones of that hundred thousand to get like make more money down the road mm, no if, if if your only uh objective is to invest to make money yeah you, know, you don't even care what it looks like <laughs> yeah then um yeah, buy established artists who are already famous. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah so it's and, like, are you buying investor? Are you buying for feel, like yeah. what you connect with? Yeah. So those are two different things. And you know, a lot of people think think um, have both of those factors in their decision making process, but a lot of people just have you know, this speaks to me, kind of thing. But I think the bigger dollar amounts, they start to think about investment. Kind of yes, when it starts going over like a thousand dollars, and it's not just like a hundred dollars here and there. They definitely start uh, contemplating those things. When you start getting into the five and ten thousand, a lot of times people will go home do their research on the artist. And I didn't even know this until I had more in-depth conversations with some of my galleries of the buying habits of collectors. Oh, when I buy art, I, I always look at the CV. So I guess I shouldn't have burned mine. I doubt you should have, but do what you want, man. You're a rebel. <laughs> what about and i don't know if you know johnny like well you know you have it digitally you don't you know, literally burn it um well i so i did burn a physical one but it's like i so i haven't documented since 2020 yeah. like the exact shows i've done I but i go back and figure it out constant right. rotation yeah and i mean you google me there's a million things that yeah. come up like i'm in people's faces more than they want me to be which uh, you know, maybe that's my issue too. Maybe oversaturation. Maybe to I need to create more of the demand and be around a little bit less. May, oh, I doubt that, but I don't know. I think you're doing fine. Okay, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> All, except for the CV part, but you know, you do you do you. <laughs> how, how does it how does it work out too? Like, I mean, like, because do you get, aren't there like tax write offs for like art too? Tax write-offs yeah. for buying art? Yeah. No. Like appreciation and that kind of stuff over time? Oh, appreciation. Well, that means you're getting taxed, not tax write-off, right? Well, no, but can't like, wasn't there like a, a scandal or something like that with Trump where he was saying that his like assessments and that kind of stuff off his art and they were saying appreciating oh, and then he was having oh, like... Oh, really? Like, I didn't know about that part. So was he... This was like a couple years ago, but I thought... Oh, I really? Made, I didn't see, know about I, that. I don't even know the whole like, the whole oh, okay. gamut of it. So I was just, okay, so there's nothing Well, like well my advice is uh, be truthful in your valuations of your assets. Otherwise, you may go to court. <laughs> oh, so you didn't get involved in that kind of shit. All right. Well, and then you also have... Well, that I mean, art appreciation, you sell it, then then you get charged capital gains. Yeah, simple simple stuff like that. I thought there was something yeah. else with that, with the ta like taxes or something like that. No, but if you if you buy art at which happens a lot at a, a for a, to benefit a nonprofit, you can write it off. Oh, there you go. Maybe yeah. maybe that's what it was. I think that's what it was. or maybe it was Probably. Hillary Clinton or something like that. I don't know. Some one of those people. Well, and then you have all those uh, theories about like art laundering and whatnot. Politics. Some of the stuff that's like the banana on the wall and stuff, and people saying like, "Oh, it's just people." laundering money there was supposed to be a movie coming out at the theater i can't remember what it was called i think it was like an indie movie but it was about like a, a crime syndicate and they just started laundering uh 
through through art sales with. Connection. Oh, I think I saw that movie. I, I saw previews for that. Saw okay. previews for it. I didn't have. A, I didn't see it, but. Uh, so is that, well, that's not a big thing. The laundering of uh, money in the the gallery scene, Johnny. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, right I don't answer. know. Right yeah, answer. I mean, <laughs> I you can talk fan. to my attorney about that. <laughs> now, Johnny, uh, Paul, Go ahead. Paul's been a, a wonderful person to work with, too. Now, Paul works – he works in education, right? And he, he works with, like, nonprofits. I think he works for – he doesn't work in education, but um, maybe he did before. But, yeah, he works in the kind of the medical field now um, oh, okay. as a marketing person. Um, they may be a nonprofit, but uh, yeah, so that's what he does. He's he's like a marketing, um, branding professional. So does he handle that side of the business? Do you yep. like each have yep. duties that you handle? Yeah, he handles that side of the business, and um, you know, does all the graphic design and all that. And um, and I'm more of like the business strategy person and accountant, <laughs> bookkeeper. Be, yeah. So you have a big, pretty, uh, a big Rolodex, or no, fucking Rolodex, I mean, I'm what the hell? showing my age, You're right? aging yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You have a long list of people, right, that you 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 know in the art scene. I mean, I, I yeah, know digital you list. <laughs> Email list, there you go. So you, you have, um, <sighs> like, I know you talked about basically graffiti art and things like that. <clears throat> Do, like, um, developers or, like, business owners that have a building that they want to have some artwork on their wall ever reach out to you and go, Hey, I want to get your, your, your feedback, Johnny, who should I reach out to about doing this mural on this, on this wall? I have. Oh yeah. We, we, um, that happens, you know, regularly, definitely. And, um, some, and sometimes we'll set up a commission for an artist. Um, okay. and, uh, you know, we'll take your usual cut or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's happened. Oh, it does. Okay. Hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's how we, we got the money to move to La Jolla. We made a big, big commission sale, um, you know, many, many years ago. And that's how we ended up moving to La Jolla. And one of those really can just open up new doors for you. And I think that uh, that uh, once you are dealing with the gallery, or, or I should say businesses, when they can talk to a gallery and get the referrals or the references from the gallery, there's a level of trust there. So when an artist works with a gallery, it's like a stamp of approval that I, I think it just opens up new doors. I think so. For artists. Yeah, I think so. To a certain degree. Well, it also too, I mean, it seems like at least some artists that we've talked to so far on the podcast, whatever, aren't really the greatest of business owners. Right? Mm. So you think like a gallery is a better, probably a better business owner. And maybe keep some accountable or knows who's easier to work with. Because, I mean, that's my guess, just from the outside looking in. You're asking me, are galleries better business owners than artists? Well, well for the, I'm, I would think so. They're for the most part, right? I mean, I don't know. Is that not the case, or no? Eh, I don't know if it's like that black and white. There's no, just really bad business owners that are gallery owners, you know, and oh, okay. really bad business people who are artists. Um. Yeah. It's just well, that. didn't you tell me, Michael, that like a lot of like used to be on get on the news a lot or something like that, right? Because you were like the one of the rare artists that would actually pick up their phone and like be there on time, right? Mm. I think a lot of artists 
may just not have the business acumen or they may not want to move into that realm. It's like when I, when I was going to they're in that realm, it doesn't matter if they want to. (laughs) (laughs) If they're not moving in that realm, they're in denial of reality. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like when I was in art school, I thought, well, when I'm an Mm. artist, I want to make art. And I never really wrapped my head around how much the business I would have to manage until I was immersed in the business. And then I realized, Mm. okay, well, I can learn these things and I can do these things Mm -hmm. and I can find a way to make it work or I can stick to my stubborn ass idea that I'm going to do it this way (laughs) and I may never get it. Now, now I'll admit I do things my way, but (laughs) I have embraced doing a lot of things. Like I've embraced the suck doing the things that other artists do. And I've learned to ask for my opportunities and I've learned what artists won't do. And so positions of like, like, I remember when I first walked into your gallery, I said, hey, you know, I'm coming off this assault and battery accident. I created mm-hmm. all this work. I'm looking for a gallery to show this work. And if you would like to work with me, I would like to make the agreement that I will commit the work to you. Like, I remember that conversation with mm-hmm. you. You looked at me and you're like, okay, well, this guy's pretty clear that he's going to show this work and he's going to show it somewhere. And we have an opportunity to show it here. Right. So I can't say that I am the most confident person, but sometimes you just have to have that era of like asking for what you want. And the yep. worst that can happen is Johnny could have said, well, you know, um, we appreciate it, but you're not right for us. We're not uh, wanting to work with you. And, and even if you get the no in the art world, you have to get used to the no's like art. You're going to hear no more than almost every other industry for every yes that I've gotten from a gallery. I probably got 30, 40 no's. Yeah. I think that's a good attitude. Um, I think a lot of artists are just scared to ask for what they want. Even just like the group show, the Bar Basics, some people are very intimidated. And my 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 uh, message to them is like, don't be intimidated. Um, if it makes you feel more comfortable, you know, attend a show and 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 try to meet people in charge. And um, yeah, don't be afraid. And you just be prepared to... too. Be prepared too. You don't want to waste people's time. Uh, but um, it really comes down to like believing in your own self worth as an artist. If you feel yourself, if you think you are worth something as an artist or even as a person, you're going to be as prepared as you possibly can, but you also be uh, not afraid to ask for what you want. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing too, because a lot of us artists, uh, you know, we do uh, everybody, but, but artists, everybody, we have insecurities Oh yeah, or, or we don't feel like we're ready, but the truth is that nobody's really ready for anything. So at some point, right. we say, well, you know what? I'm not quite ready. But if I want to do this, I have to take a step forward. Mm-hmm. And so by saying like, okay, well, I've never shown work before, but I'm going to try this basic thing. I'm going to try showing work mm-hmm. basic. You know, it allows you to kind of ease into the experience. And as you're doing it, learn, learn about, you know, the presentation. Yeah. If, if your work isn't clean on the edges or you don't have the right hanging hardware. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Make then, those mistakes. Yeah. And then the next time you could be a little bit better. And then the next time a little bit better. And as you do that, even if you're not a super confident person, because I'm not, but mm-hmm. as you get going, you will become more experienced and it'll get a little easier and the confidence will start to build even if you're not aware of it. Yeah, and, and I think that's the real value of what those pop-up bar basic art shows provide to the art community. It's an opportunity for artists to uh, make all the mistakes, you know. I've seen them all. I've seen artists, you know, bring stuff that's not even physically hangable. 
like just the painting on a piece of wood, oh, you can't hang it anywhere. Oh, well, mistake one. Now, next time you're not going to do that. Um, and it helps to figure out price points and talk to other artists too um, at the shows that you, you, you uh, are a part of and ask them what their journey is. And I think that's very helpful. And I do wish that other artists would be more supportive of other artists and stop viewing them as competition. But I guess that's why we're doing this show. We're trying to mm -hmm. bring it all back to the people. We're trying to help out. We're trying to answer the questions. And God knows that I give all the milk away for free because I'm certainly not <laughs> any money home a lot of days. <laughs> that's why I'm on OnlyFans now as our day. Yeah. So. <laughs> I have to check it out. <laughs> It's, just be it's, just be aware. It's, it's uh, about rated. art, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> what did I get myself into? So it's a little, it's a little art, but it's like this. So I've had artists. I know you work out a lot, so maybe. Well, yeah, and so I've had art, I had somebody actually message me the other day. It was a guy, and he said, "Hey, I've been told that maybe I should consider going on there and like doing something art related. Mm, yeah. You know, should I do it? Like, what's your experience been?" And I said, "Well, I've only been on there for a couple of weeks." And my page is predominantly an art page, but it shows more skin. There is a little bit of muted, yeah. like there's not like full on, like it's not, I wouldn't call it sexual, but it's like, if you're in a, and you've done like hosted some figure drawing classes, I think before, right? Yep. Haven't you? Mm -hmm. yep. yeah. yeah. So when you host a figure drawing class, you have an art model there that is naked. Like correct. Nudity is not necessarily sexual. Right. So, like, I, I play off of innuendo and fun and I play off of like, the thirst trap and you know like whatever like i don't personally again we're talking about confidence i don't think that i'm like all that much to look at but i, I try i put effort into what i do and mm -hmm. so if people want to pay for that but and going back to what we we're talking about with business models and sustainability and finding things that work i needed to switch to a subscription-based model to ensure earnings so i can start making sure that i'm not just giving all the milk away for free so to speak yeah. and to find a way to grow and to navigate through the different struggles that I'm facing. And I figured, you know what, this is a platform that not a lot, like there's a few artists on there, but sure. not a lot. Mm -hmm. So I can be somebody to break into this niche and kind mm -hmm. of turn into something. I can be the person like the San Diego art scene that kind of helps it grow and maybe brings in new people. Yeah. And at the same time, it can allow me to work with some of the ladies that I know in the industry mm -hmm. and we can cross promote and work together. And I pass no judgment on the lifestyles of anybody. Yeah, else. I dig it. Yeah. So Great. it's kind of I like just, that outside the box thinking. Yeah, it's pretty good. And that's what you have to do as an artist. You've got to find yeah. ways to make it work because there are so or many. Or as a business people, as a business person, really, not just artists. Yeah. Outside the box. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not such an easy. oversaturated industry. You've got to find mm -hmm. a way to stand out from everybody else. And so, you know, like, we'll see where it goes. It's still so early on. I don't know. But, like, I've only been on there for two and a half weeks, and I'm already in the top 36%, which really? I, yes. you know, I, I feel like I was never expecting to get that high as a guy. Yeah. I know that, like, I figured girls on there, that yeah. are more explicit things would have major audiences, but I wasn't expecting anybody to tune in to, to what I'm doing. So we'll have to see if it continues, but I was willing to take the chance and kind of see where I can take it. All right. Yeah, I like it. Have fun so instead of it. giving away the milk, he's showing you how the milk's made. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I'm, I am curious. It's about about art, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to make sure one more milk? time. It's about art, right? Yes. <laughs> it's a mixture. It's a mixture. Okay. Like, now it's, it's a mixture. Like, <laughs> so, like, what I've been doing so far is I'll have videos of, like, me, like, talking about, like, underpainting techniques 
and I'll oh, be like, okay. so this is a technique of how to, but I'll be doing it like shirtless and stuff. So it's like, I'm being very serious. I get it. And I get it. Like, <laughs> the soft Bob Ross tone, but it's like, I'm, I'm shirtless at the same time. So it's like, I don't care why you're tuning in. If you're paying for it, you're paying for it. Right. And, but here's the thing is if you are not interested in the art and you come on like just to look, but then you start learning about art and you're like, I learned about an underpainting technique and I don't know anything about art, but I learned about this underpainting technique from art daddy. Then uh, <laughs> like, oh, hey. I, that, that could totally happen. Yeah. So it's like, you can break down the walls because it's like, uh, I've always said as an artist, if you're honest in your work and you're vulnerable, you're already essentially exposed and naked. So maybe me yeah. like being a little less clothed, maybe it breaks down the walls to make people feel more welcome. Like, I'm not saying I'm going to come on and do that on the podcast, but you know, <laughs> But maybe podcast feel more welcome. Yeah, de definitely a different podcast. It'd, it'd be, yeah. Vinny's not down for that. Maybe I don't know. Only fans, you <laughs> might get a surprise. Get oh, a little, <laughs> a little painting and a little, oh, a little dong action. Oh my god! Not quite yet. I gotta, I gotta get You're more. Get off. kicked off of YouTube, man. <laughs> it takes so, you down the stream right now. <laughs> I know. I'm waiting for this to just like cut out. I did start a new section the other day, or a, a new segment on my page because I, I wanted to start doing art tips. So it's called just the tip with art daddy. <laughs> oh my. Well, uh, I, I think we're getting close to that time when the sexual endo start popping through. So, so Johnny, why don't you talk to us if people want to find your gallery or your website, what's the best way? Yeah. Uh, we're at the, in the village of La Jolla in San Diego and um, website is thumbprintgallery.com. And we're on Instagram, Facebook, all that. And Johnny, I want to thank you for being on today. I appreciate all that you've done for me because I feel like I wouldn't be where I am in my career if it wasn't for you. And, and I know we haven't been in touch quite as much, but we ran into each other at one of my open Yeah, shows. yeah, that was great seeing you. So uh, I, I just want to say, though, that I do recognize and appreciate what you and Paul have done for me. I would love for you uh, to, to work with you again in some capacity when the time is right and it works for you. And I want to thank you for what you have done for all the other artists in san diego or that have passed through as well because uh, sometimes uh, for me in my art journey that's one of my core memories is hmm. that with you that's a part so cool. of key component of my art career my art journey yeah thank you so much for uh for uh saying that and i appreciate uh i appreciate the podcast and what you're trying to do helping other artists very needed and as we move forward, we'll maybe uh, we'll, we'll talk to you. And if you have an artist or two that you want us to talk to, maybe we'll uh, give them a visit on the podcast too. Because I, I really do believe that uh, community support is super mm -hmm. important, harder and harder. And uh, local small businesses, we need your support. So go check out those galleries. Seeing work in person is a different experience. So if you are visiting, and, and anybody that visits San Diego probably goes to La Jolla, I would love for you to stop by and check out Thumbprint Gallery. They're doing a lot of good for the community. They've done a lot of good for a long time, and they deserve your support. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to the Art for Everyone podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this on like iTunes, Google Play, Twitch, all those different platforms, uh, Castlebox, whatever. I mean, watch us live too. So we're on YouTube also. So watch us live out there. If not, just subscribe, share, and hopefully we're getting some other artists. Uh, they're going to be able to talk all the, the stuff about thumb, thumbprint gallery and give us the inside scoop on Johnny. Right. He's really like behind the all scenes. the dirt. <laughs>
Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Art for Everyone podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. For more information or to connect with your hosts, check them out on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.